Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. It's Friday, January 21st, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and with me today, we have three of our in-house investment experts, George Mateo, our chief investment officer, Steve Haight, our head of equities, and Rajiv Sharma, head of fixed income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our key questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. So it's been an interesting week to start with the economic data. We've got unemployment claims ticking up a little bit, but housing's still strong. Let's take a look at that from George's perspective in terms of where we think the economy's headed based on some of the news that came out. George? Sure, Brian. Good morning, and uh, and thanks, everybody, for joining. I think this week was really a mixed bag in many respects. Uh, as you pointed out, jobless claims rose, which suggests that the employment situation may be faltering a little bit. Uh, I think there's, again, some flukiness with those numbers that often needs to get disentangled a little bit. Um, I think when we look behind the curtain, we can still see a pretty robust job market right now. And uh, we talked about this previously. Wages are are moving sharply higher across many sectors of the economy, and that really is a pretty positive backdrop for employment overall. Um, so I think there's maybe a little bit of soft patch in some of those numbers, uh, but I think they're probably going to be smoothed over over time. I think the housing numbers were extraordinarily uh, robust. So housing, the housing sector continues to be really white hot. And when you kind of put those things together, strong job market, strong labor market, a robust housing market, you've got, again, this, uh, this brew for inflation pressures building and uh, inflation really is here. And it's not just here in the United States, it's, it's everywhere, it's really pronounced in Europe and other parts of the world as well. So you've got that backdrop, I think it's kind of set in stage now that we're, um, we've talked about the Fed uh, getting more aggressive. A lot of concerns about that seem to kind of really become the focal point uh, for the market this past week. Quantitative tightening is also something that people are being concerned with, which is really the Fed draining liquidity from, the, uh, from their balance sheet and from the system overall. So we've got this uh, this potent mix of higher inflation, um, a more restrictive Fed, a less accommodative Fed, higher interest rates and inflation. Omicron, I think, is actually probably a good news, bad news story in the sense that it's probably, you know, started to peak it a little bit. Um, and that's actually probably good in the sense it's also adding some inflation pressures. Um, but it's also starting to hit some earnings reports as well. I'm sure we'll talk about that this morning, too. But maybe maybe first, just on the macro really quickly, let me ask Rajiv to kind of comment on what he thinks the Fed is likely to do with some of these inflation numbers. And I guess, Rajiv, we've got a, we've got a key meeting from the Fed next week, don't we? Uh, we do, George, and good morning to everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, the bond market has really taken a lot of bad news this year. I mean, it's, it's only week three. We had a consensus of four rate hikes. Uh, we saw the two-year go above 1%. We saw 7% inflation readings, and, and then the Fed planning to drain liquidity by reducing their balance sheet. So some of the things that I'm looking at are, will inflation peak out this year at some point? Obviously, we're going to talk about the yield curve on this call as well. Will that first move by the Fed be 50 basis points? We've got a Fed meeting next week. Are they going to give us any hints? There's some percentage out there of probability that there could be a Fed uh, an FOMC rate hike next week. Uh, I'm not part of that camp, but I do think that some of that fear is there. So if you think about quantitative tightening, as you mentioned, uh, anytime the Fed shrinks its balance sheet and tapers 
the market does get very jittery about that. And uh, Powell, for the first time, has to deal with inflation. Uh, for the first time, he's dealing with some of this political pressure, too, to do something. So bond market's really gone through a lot in the first three weeks of the year. And I think that as you reduce the Fed balance sheet, we've seen this uh, story before. It's almost in itself a, a rate hike. Uh, if you think about quantitative tightening and what the Fed could possibly do in the second half of this year, you're talking about one to two rate hikes uh, impact from what they can do in quantitative tightening. So it, it's very interesting right now to see what happens if the Fed makes a mistake. They've done it in the past. You could see a drop in investor optimism. You could see a rush to sell risk assets. Um, so I I I turn the call to Steve here and think that and get his perspectives on what he thinks about risk assets if the Fed starts to really get aggressive here. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, there's a lot, uh, when you look at the charts, you're seeing a, a lot of key things for the market starting to turn to the negative. Now, as I stare at my Bloomberg terminal this morning, we've, I see the S&P 500 taking out its 200-day moving average. I see the S&P 500 making a new 65-day low for the first time in, in quite a very, very long time. We're entering this period of time clearly where, you know, because of the taper and tightening that the Fed is talking about, uh, that we that we expected an increase in volatility uh, heading into this year. But man, man, if we got a spade, and then maybe even a little bit more concerning to me is it really does look like high yield CDS spreads. That's an indicator of stress in the credit markets. Do seem to be starting to resolve themselves to the upside. So we've been in a trading range there where credit has been a very supportive thing for the market for, for well over a year. Um, and it now looks like that's going to be a headwind, at least near term here. So, you know, I think think we're, we're, we're at a, a place where it does look like the market at least wants to head lower here near term, you know, maybe in the intermediate to longer term, as long as earnings come through, we'll see things resolve to the upside, but near term pressure is definitely to the downside. And uh, it looks to me like, uh, like, like, like we're headed lower. So Steve, what I was curious to know, uh, and as I think about this, it seems like initially, and again, we, we can kind of change, change this narrative anytime, perhaps, or, or see the narrative change, perhaps is a better way to say it. But in the near, near term, it seems to me like this is a really a sentiment-driven sell-off, right, where, where people have really been kind of piling out uh, and fleeing the, uh, the real speculative parts of the market, you know, SPACs and and crypto assets and other things like that. And, you know, the sentiment is really very fickle and it seems like it's really running quickly against it. So to me, it seems at the moment, this is not systemic, but this is sentiment driven selling. Would you agree with that? In part, I do, George. You know, if you take a look at things like the uh, the, the index that, that tracks unprofitable technology companies, for example, that index has sold off incredibly hard. IPOs, SPACs, they've sold off incredibly hard. So Things that I would label, you know, concept finance, concept tech, this kind of thing, they've been under pressure for a while. What's been different in market tone so far here in 2022 is that the market has taken the generals out and shot them too. And that's when you start to see problems. Things like leadership stocks, you know, Google, for example, Alphabet, I should say, the ticker is Google. That name had been a market leader for the better part of the last year. It's 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 rolled over. Microsoft has been rolling over. Apple, all these names, big mega cap tech names um, have come under pressure. And 
I think the, the investment community is uh, reevaluating what they think in terms of earnings outlook, and they're also reevaluating the multiple in light of the likelihood of higher rates that they're willing to put on those. So not only have the, have we seen these more speculative things get taken out, we've we've seen a, a change in tone so far here year to date. The thing, one thing that does give me a, a little bit of optimism is that sentiment, as you said, George, uh, has gotten a bit extended to the downside here as the market has sold off in early 2022. So we might be due for a bounce here near term, uh, but it definitely does seem like we've had a, had, a, had a definite change in tone. Hey, Steve, on that theme, where do you think Q4 earnings season takes us relative to that volatility? So I think earnings are likely to come in ahead of expectations, but I don't think that they're going to come in as far ahead of expectations as we've seen over the last two or three quarters. And, and quite frankly, you know, going back to the Omicron discussion before, I think it's likely that we could see growth numbers disappoint um, for the fourth quarter due to due to Omicron. So uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what the what the managements have to say uh, as we go through earnings season, which starts you know in in earnest here in the, in the next few days. But I I really don't know that we're going to get earnings support for the market going through this earnings season. Fantastic. Rajiv, what do you think about the 10-year where it's been at? It kind of got up to a high level this week. It's pared back a little bit, but what are your thoughts on that? Great question, Brian. I mean, we did hit 1.9% this week on the 10-year, and uh, you know that was pretty rapid rise on the 10-year. We started the year out below 1.7, uh, so we've had quite a move there. Um, we did see the 530s curve flatten towards levels we haven't seen since March 2020. Curve is really being impacted by more rate increases getting priced into the front end. And uh, we're talking about four rate hikes that the consensus is now, and some are even calling for 50 basis points in March. But there are bets about a Fed policy mistake, and that's really what's dictating the tenure. And I think that's going to be the important part to look. Charting patterns right now show that there's little nearby support for the tenure. That means that we could test the next level on the tenure, which is 2.14%. Uh, that's the high that we had in July 2019. So we may get there quicker than expected. We did see a pullback. Uh, we did see yields fall down a little bit today and yesterday. And we did see Asian buyers step in. Uh, so Asian investors are stepping in. They're finding value in the tenure. Uh, at 1.9%. So now we're back down below 1.8. Uh, and I think we're going to keep seeing some of that support from Asian buyers. There's, I think it's a very strong area to be in right now. If you look at global rates right now, so still the 10-year looks attractive at, at these levels. But I don't really see any reason why we don't continue to move higher in the 10-year. We're really starting the year off with the Fed playing catch-up. When you have a sentiment that the Fed is trying to catch up with market sentiment, you could see the 10-year finally start to move higher. We didn't see last year at all. Right now, basically 25 basis points priced in for March hike, and some investors are thinking about maybe 50 basis points uh, in March. And that really shows that the market is really concerned about the Fed being behind the curve. We haven't seen the Fed raise rates more than 25 basis points in almost 22 years. So that would be a very big jolt to the market. What are you seeing in terms of credit and flows? This has been a credit-driven bull market on the equity side. It's been driven by liquidity there in, in the high-yield markets and the investment-grade markets, tremendous demand. Have you seen any change in the tenor in terms of liquidity, getting deals done, that kind of you know, anecdotal evidence across your desk? Uh, we have seen um, this year, we started with a bang as far as credit issuers coming to market with their new deals. We expected about $125 billion in new issuance this year. I think with the whole notion that the Fed is on the move, we're going to see rate hikes. Uh, many issuers are trying to take advantage before that happens. So we've seen quite a big push in issuance. These deals are getting done. Investors are lining up to buy these deals. Liquidity on some of the bank deals that we saw this, this week, I think 
was tremendous. And we saw those deals do extremely well. Concessions, I expect better concessions that we're seeing. We're not seeing those concessions right now in the new deals. So issuers are coming to market. They're getting the deals done. Investors are lining up to lock in uh, some new issuance and liquidity. I think we see that continuing, but I believe that when rates start to move up, we're going to see a slowdown in issuance. And I think it's going to be harder to get these deals done without some kind of concession compared to the secondary markets. But you haven't seen anything right now that gives you really a lot of cause for concern about the health of the credit markets. No, I haven't. I mean, the credit markets right now, they seem to be very, very um, orderly, if you want to call it that. I, I think spreads have not blown out. I'm keeping my eyes on CDX uh, to try to see the spreads move there. Your point about high yield is a very good one. I think high yield gets impacted like the equity markets. We start to see movement in the high yield spreads a lot sooner than we see in high grade. But really the leader right now that I'm looking at is CDX. And, and I saw a little bit of widening in CDX this week, but nothing to be alarmed about. And I think this continues. What really is going to dictate spreads right now, in my opinion, is if there's an economic slowdown, obviously that's going to be a big impact. But if we start seeing uh, January type numbers and new issuance, I think investors are going to have indigestion at that point, And you're going to start seeing these spreads start to move wider. Yeah, I'm really watching that high in the CDX is from December on the high yield. And if we break above that, I think it's going to have, it has the potential to take the market on another leg lower. I don't know that we really see this get too um, too nefarious in terms of, of weakness because of the stuff you said in terms of the flows. It just seems like the credit appetite is just so strong. But you know, I think near term here, we, we definitely are, are at very key levels on that CDX. I agree, Steve. I, I've seen flows. Uh, if you look at the flows going into investment grade funds, uh, they've been positive this year, quite, quite robust. Even with, even with starting the year off with spreads at these tight levels, you're still seeing a lot of money flowing into these investment grade funds. I did see treasury funds start to lose flows, uh, which makes a lot of sense considering where we are and where we expect to be. So Steve, I want to circle back to you and something you talked about with respect to earnings. And maybe this, this calendar quarter of earnings might be a little bit softer than expected, or maybe not as great as people expected. But I got to believe that some of the earnings pressures we're seeing because of Omicron and things like that might be, might be temporary. You know, We've got a few things we've got to get through in terms of cost pressures and wages and so forth that are certainly uh, like they have some impact. And of course, there's some individual companies that might be more outsized and, and more exposed to this than other. But it seems like the overall backdrop, if we maybe think about the earnings Earnings recovery is maintaining itself through the entire year, right? We have we have kind of a soft patch now, but earnings can recover in the second half of this year. Doesn't that provide some support if we look at the full year of earnings of this year and maybe even next year too? Yeah, theoretically it sure does, George. And and you know, it you I, I noticed how you're trying not to use the word transitory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you when you said that, but like when you take a look at the earnings, I mean we're right at 224 for the S&P 500 for the forward 12 month earnings right now. Um, we very easily could exit the year at 240. Uh, it's the trajectory that is that is lower this year than than what we've seen over the last year and a half, which is to be expected. I mean, we had huge earnings numbers, year over year growth numbers coming off of the post pandemic lows. I mean, where we sit today, you know, we, we expect as the cycle matures to see lower earnings growth. Um, the, the thing that does give me some concern is we've seen the multiple break lower now. So we're trading at 19.8 times forward numbers. Now, this is the first time since middle of the fall last year what, that we've been below 20 times. Um, and really, we've been trading between 20 and 22 times forward numbers for the last, 
uh, 18 months. So, so clearly the multiple that people are willing to put on those earnings is lower because of the, the higher rate environment. And multiples, this is really going to be, and, I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, this is really going to be a year where the multiple that you're putting on the earnings is going to be the thing that drives the market as opposed to the underlying earnings numbers themselves, because the earnings numbers themselves are likely only going to grow in the high single digits. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just think we'll have to see how the full year plays out. Maybe people shift their numbers from one quarter to another, but um, overall, it seems to me the economic backdrop is still pretty solid overall. And again, inflation is is the biggest risk that we've talked about. So you've got this environment of hot inflation. Uh, again, markets are kind of crowded and we're kind of seeing the results of that now. So I, I still think our overall outlook for the year of kind of flattish returns uh, still holds. I'd agree with that. You know, you you can have you can have the market have a drawdown of 15 to 20% and still end the year positive. That's right. very typical. Yeah, that's very common yeah. indeed. Oh. In fact, I think, you know, it's, it's, you're right. The average return, I'm sorry, the average intra-year decline rather is about that number. It's about 14% if you go back to the early 80s. And at the same time, on any given calendar year, the market's been positive 75% of those times as well. Yeah, years like last year where the market goes up on a rail up and to the right, those are not usual. Well, we'll have to stay tuned to what happens, see what happens next. And again, as Rajiv and others have talked about uh, next week, I think it'd be a really a pivotal week with respect to what happens with the Fed and also what happens with earnings. So thanks for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are offered by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key Bank Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, member FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, or KIA. KIS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2021.